From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, Kahuk goniotomy as a standalone procedure, part one. I think one of the major advantages of the Kahuk dual blade is that it can be performed as a standalone procedure in contrast to, say, other mixed procedures. First this. I travel a lot. It's one of the perks of the work I do. As fantastic as Hangzhou or Jaipur or Barcelona are, I'm always amazed at how beautiful my own country is. Nowhere is this more in evidence than in Park City, Utah. Words truly fail. That's why I'm so happy that iWorld holds its surgical summit in Park City. Join me in this collegial, informal, and highly educational event in one of the most beautiful places on earth. Go to surgicalsummit.iworld.org. That's surgicalsummit, one word, iworld.org. I'll see you on the slopes. The field of surgical glaucoma management, once relegated to the glaucoma specialist, has seen tremendous diversification over the last several years. The introduction of MIGS has changed how comprehensive ophthalmologists think about surgical glaucoma management, particularly in the context of cataract surgery. And it is that context that is a limitation of most MIGS procedures. However, a number of low-risk glaucoma procedures that are often grouped together with MIGS can be performed as standalone surgeries in the absence of concurrent cataract surgery. These include endocyclophotocoagulation and goniotomy. We're going to talk about endocyclophotocoagulation in a future podcast. Today's program is about Kahuk dual blade goniotomy in conjunction with and separate from concurrent cataract surgery. My discussion with Leonard Siebold on the results of his recent study were lengthy and will be divided into two podcast episodes. We'll hear the first half of my conversation today and the conclusion next time. I'm a big fan of the Kahuk dual blade, but I suspect that some of our listeners will not have encountered it. What is the Kahuk dual blade and how does it fit into the greater MIGS landscape? The Kahuk dual blade is a single-use ophthalmic knife um, it's an FDA-registered device that, that can be used to perform goniotomy, a procedure that, that's been around for, for decades. Uh, what's unique about the Kahook dual blade is uh, that it's specifically designed for goniotomy to fit within um, the canal of Schlem in order to uh, incise and remove a strip of trabecular meshwork. Um, and by doing that, we can increase aqueous outflow and reduce intraocular pressure. Um, in comparison to other mixed devices, I think the Coke dual blade presents us with a number of potential advantages at least. Uh, for one, it's a single-use uh, device that uh, does not leave any implants behind in the eye, so you don't have any implant-related um, complications or problems that can arise with that. Um, in contrast to other devices, <clears throat> it requires very little Um, initial investment. You're just really purchasing a single-use device, and so there's no additional equipment 
costs that can be associated with other uh, angle procedures or mixed devices. So there's a number of advantages to to the device. It was initially uh, invented or designed by my colleague Malika Hook at the University of Colorado as a device to somehow harvest trabecular meshwork in order to study that tissue. Uh, but I think he quickly realized that this had therapeutic potential, and um, you know, after studying it in a preclinical manner, uh, showing that we could reduce intraocular pressure in, in a preclinical model, um, it was uh, taken to the proper steps to achieve FDA registration and, and found to be very successful at, at reducing intraocular pressure clinically now. And so. Um, if, if your listeners haven't heard of it, I think they will shortly, uh, as it, it's really gaining traction as a, as a very um, uh, attractive option within the you know, angle surgery or MIGS landscape for those patients who need either reduction in their intraocular pressure or who may not be tolerating their medications, need um, an alternative therapy to control their IOP, or maybe they just want to get off their drops at the time of cataract surgery. I think it's a very attractive option that, that could be easily integrated into a lot of practices. The Kahook dual blade falls into the larger category of trabecular meshwork bypass. Why is it that we think that the trabecular meshwork is the main impediment to outflow of aqueous from the eye? Well, we know there are two main pathways for aqueous humor to exit the eye. Um, to maintain a physiologic pressure. There's the, the uveoscleral pathway, and then the traditional or the trabecular outflow pathway. And now, we used to think that the uveoscleral pathway was a very minor contributor to the overall outflow for the eye, but studies now show that it's probably a little more substantial, somewhere between 20 and 50% of the overall outflow. But even though it's a larger component of that overall outflow that we previous, than we previously thought, um, in most cases, the majority of outflow is still coming through that trabecular metric, through that traditional outflow pathway. And studies of aqueous humor dynamics have identified the juxtacanalicular portion of that trabecular metric to really be the site of greatest resistance um, or impediment for aqueous uh, draining into the Schlem's canal and out through the collector channels from there. So that's why this is, tissue is such a big focus for surgical intervention in glaucoma, because if we can somehow overcome this resistance through bypass, um, we should be able to lower the intraocular pressure. The Kahook dual bleed procedure is not the first instance of goniotomy in ophthalmology. What has been the track record of goniotomy or, or trabeculotomy? And as a point of clarification, is, is there any difference between goniotomy and trabeculotomy? Um, so it's a good question. Um, you're right, the KDB procedures is not the first manner in which we've been able to perform goniotomy. Uh, as I mentioned before, it's been around for decades. Um, historically, goniotomy, along with trabeculotomy, has been a procedure used to treat um, primarily congenital glaucoma as an initial procedure. Uh, so traditionally, in, in children, goniotomy is, is performed using either a needle or MBR blade from an ab internal approach under gonioscopic visualization and used to incise the trabecular meshwork. Uh, now in these kids, there's often a membrane covering the meshwork uh, where it's almost completely obstructing outflow so that by incising it, the canal is open, aqueous can now drain from the eye, and it can be very effective. In trabeculotomy, um, you're essentially accomplishing the same thing. You're incising trabecular meshwork, but traditionally this refers to performing this task from an ab-external approach. So the conge is taken down, 
either a sclera flap is constructed or a cut down is made to the sclera so that you have access to Schlem's canal from an ab external approach. And then you place a trabeculatome or suture into the canal of Schlem and use that to tear through the trabecular meshwork. So you're essentially accomplishing the same thing with the goniotomy and a trabeculotomy. The main difference is in the approach. So ab internal for goniotomy and ab external for trabeculotomy. Um, historically, the results of these in adults as a treatment, say for primary open angle glaucoma, has been underwhelming with, with a lot of failures. And one of the main reasons we think this is is that we're only incising the tissue and you know these leaflets that we leave behind can scar back together, closing up the opening that we made. Um, so the first MIGS device, Trebectome, was actually designed to overcome this by not only incising but ablating those TM leaflets in order to create some type of more permanent opening. Uh, Goniocuritage is another instrument that was used uh, for a short period to try and remove more of the trabecular meshwork, but, but failed to become uh, widespread and used for a number of reasons. But now with the Coke dual blade, we're performing goniotomy, we're incising that tissue, but the difference here is that instead of just incising it, we're excising a strip of it for a more complete removal. So if you really want to get into semantics, you could call the procedure an ab interno trabeculectomy because we're actually removing trabecular meshwork from an ab interno approach. But this gets too easily confused with our you know, traditional sense of trabeculectomy, which is a blood forming procedure. So goniotomy is, is what's most commonly used or what the Coke dual blade is achieving. Many types of MIGs are on label only for use during cataract surgery. I, I believe that goniotomy is an exception to, to this. Can the Kahook dual blade procedure be performed on label as a standalone procedure? And, and the, the reason that I, that I asked this isn't really clinical. It, it, it's because if you do a procedure off label, patients are often saddled with a bill. Yeah, that's a great, great point. And I think one of the major advantages of the Kahook dual blade is that it can be performed as a standalone procedure in contrast to, say, other mixed procedures that are only on label for use during the time of cataract surgery. Now, we certainly use the Coke dual blade um, a majority of the time um, in the setting of cataract surgery. It's easily paired as an ab internal procedure that we can use the, the same phacoemulsification wounds uh, to gain access with the blade. We're not making an, any additional incisions. Uh, so it's a great opportunity to either reduce intraocular pressure or, uh, or reduce medications at the time of cataract surgery. But because you're using the goniotomy code, the 65820 CPT code, um, that's approved as a standalone procedure or a standalone code. It doesn't have to be paired um, with phacoemulsification surgery. And so we're using it more and more as we, as we have greater experience with this device we're using it more and more as a standalone procedure in those patients who may already be pseudophagic and are not optimally controlled in their glaucoma, so we can use it as a standalone procedure there, or even in patients who are phagic and uh, um, are not quite um, ready for cataract surgery. Maybe they have a clear lens or a fairly young patient, uh, but, but aren't optimally controlled by medications or laser. This can be a great procedure for them, and this is what we're using it more and more. And this is one of the main um, goals of this paper was to see how this procedure performed as a standalone procedure.
Can I get you to describe the design of, of your study, of the study? Um, so the design was was fairly simple. It's it's a retrospective study of, of all of the uh, Kahook dual blade goniotomy procedures that we performed from in a two-year period from 2015 to 2017 at the University of Colorado Health Eye Center. And uh, we took all comers. So we took patients with any, any severity of glaucoma, um, any type of glaucoma, um, again, both as a standalone procedure and when it was used in conjunction with cataract surgery. Now, if they had an additional glaucoma procedure, those patients were excluded. Um, but it was, it was merely a retrospective look at, at these patients and their outcomes, looking specifically at the safety of the procedure as well as the efficacy as well. Leo, talk me through a, a typical cohook dual blade procedure. Sure. So, you know, in conjunction with cataract surgery, uh, the cohook dual blade could be performed as the initial procedure or it could be performed, I think, more commonly after cataract surgery. That's when I choose to perform it. Um, and so after intraocular lens insertion, before you would normally remove viscoelastic, you actually can instill the anterior chamber with some additional cohesive viscoelastics, such as helon, to uh, further deepen the anterior chamber, push the iris posteriorly to, to give you the best visualization of the angle and the trabecular meshwork which you're going to treat. Uh, once you deepen the anterior chamber angle, um, you apply some additional viscoelastic onto the cornea to use as a, as a coupling agent for gonioscopic visualization. You then rotate the patient's head 30 to 40 degrees away from the surgeon and then rotate the scope 30 to 40 degrees towards the surgeon. And this puts the scope in the patient's um, view at about a 90 degree angle. And so then when you put a Swan Jacobs or a direct gonioscope lens onto the surface of the cornea, this will usually put you in pretty good approximation so that you have a good view to the angle. And this is a really key step with the Cook dual blade procedure, but any angle procedure is you want to be able to see that target tissue as clearly as possible. It's a pretty narrow space that we're working in, and if you can't see it well, it's, it's, it's going to be difficult to perform. And so once you get a good view and you can visualize the structures of the angle, you want to see the trabecular meshwork, the scleral spur, uh, once you have those landmarks in good view, you open the blade, it can fit through a 1.3 millimeter incision, but usually at the time of cataract surgery, you've got a bigger wound, about a 2.4 millimeter in our case. The blade goes through that, you place the gonioscope back onto the cornea, and you can visualize the blade in the angle. The tip of the blade is a sharp tip, and so that's placed right up against the trabecular meshwork. And then gentle outward pressure is applied as you advance the blade. And this will allow the tip to pierce through trabecular meshwork and into the canal. And once you're in the canal, that foot plate seats very well within the canal. And then you are merely advancing the blade to the far extent of your view. And as you do that, the ramp of the blade will put that trabecular meshwork on stretch and feed it to where it's engaged in those two blades, those dual blades. And that will create a paired uh, parallel incision at the top and lower edge of trabecular meshwork so that a strip is actually excised as you advance the blade. There's a number of ways you can do that. You can start from the far extreme of your view and work towards the middle, or you can start in the middle of your view and work outward. Either way is effective. But once you've treated for you know three to five clock hours to the extent of your view, uh, the blade's removed, 
And then you remove the viscoelastic, similar to how you would at the conclusion of cataract surgery. Your wounds are then sealed up. I like to also instill some myostat <clears throat> intracamerally as well. Uh, at the conclusion of the procedure, I find this helps with blunting any IOP spikes in the perioperative period, um, and also puts that iris on stretch as well to help keep your newly created clefts um, as patent as possible. And um, antibiotic can be instilled and then the eyes patched as normal. For a standalone procedure, it proceeds very similarly. Um, to start the procedure, a paracentesis is made, intracameral lidocaine is, is placed, viscoelastic is used to deepen the anterior chamber angle, and then the procedure is performed in a similar fashion through a 1.3 to 2.5 millimeter incision. Um, you want to make sure that the wounds are watertight um, so that you don't have any wound leak, and if there's any concern there, I would put a, a suture in those patients. Leo, your postoperative regimen included pilocarpine 1% QID. What role does pilocarpine play? Yeah, it's a really good question because initially we didn't use it um, in our postoperative regimen, but uh, sort of using some experience from other angle procedures like trabectome, um, uh, where pilocarpine may have a benefit in um, constricting the pupil, pulling the constricting the, the ciliary muscle, that specifically that longitudinal muscle to pull on, on the scleral spur, which further widens the opening that we make in, in Schlem's canal or through the trabecular meshwork. And so that's the thought behind it is that by keeping that, that opening as wide as possible, by constricting that ciliary muscle, pulling on scleral spur, we can keep that as, as open as possible through that postoperative inflammation period until the eye is quiet, so hopefully we get better long-term outcomes. Now, we don't really have any evidence to back this up. In, in our study, all patients were given pilocarpine, um, so we didn't have a group to compare to, um, but we're, we're looking into this in the future, and, and we'll likely do a study of patients either with pilocarpine and those without pilocarpine postoperatively to see if it really does uh, contribute to maybe giving you an a higher success rate or prolonging the duration of success in these patients. So that's the theoretical role that we use it for. Um, anecdotally, I think it does help, but we don't have a lot of evidence to back that up yet. We'll end today's podcast here and pick up where we left off in the next episode. Leonard Siebold is Associate Professor in the Department of Ophthalmology at the University of Colorado School of Medicine in Aurora, Colorado. His paper, Outcomes of Cahook Dual-Blade Goniotomy with and without phacoemulsification cataract extraction, appears in the inaugural issue, September-October 2018, of Ophthalmology Glaucoma. Ask questions of Dr. Siebold or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.